Amen. That was a, a beautiful, beautiful song. Love when we get to to sing that. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, won't you open up with me to Ephesians chapter five? Kind of taking a, a break from the Gospel of John for a few weeks to teach through the household code here in Ephesians. As I was studying this week, I came across a, a quote from from James Montgomery Boyce. He was a, a faithful pastor at 10th Avenue Presbyterian Church in, in Philadelphia. Uh, and this the commentary where I found this quote was published in 1988. So he, he preached this probably sometime during the mid-80s. But I was struck by what he said. He said, if I were asked to pick the single most destructive feature of secular American life, I would without any hesitation name television. It destroys the home, beginning with the proper and necessary communication among the members of it. In place of normal, relating individuals, it forms people who think only of themselves, of achieving a me-first, pleasure-oriented, materialistic, and immediate gratification Lifestyle. And I thought that was that was profound because again to, to write that back in, in the middle of the 1980s, there's been some minor advances in technology since then. And you know what what he is hitting on it and saying uh, just resonated with me with me deeply. I think we would all as we look at each of our own households uh, of seeing what what makes the the biggest impact. And and notice he doesn't even address content stuff on television what does he address here what what is we're making an exchange when we when we sit down in front of the the television or now in our modern uh, times when we uh, you know put ourselves in front of our phones or our tablets uh, or also televisions but his emphasis is more upon the the trade-off that is taking place that when we are uh, focusing just on entertainment uh, and leisure what are we what we're saying yes to that but we're also saying no to how we properly relate to one another, right? Is there any married couples here come to a certain point where like, we just feel like we don't talk that much. Is that, is anybody ever feel that? Am I the only one? Uh, am I the only willing to raise my hand? Uh, but you, be, you begin to, to see that and to understand that because yeah, everything is a trade-off. Uh, what is it we, we are saying yes to or what are we saying no to? And again, that is, that's also shows you the, the power of distraction. Right, and that simply not doing what we ought to be doing will lead to difficult circumstances. Sins of omission are just as serious as sins of commission. Right, failing to communicate and talk uh, as a family will have long-lasting uh, effects. And even if we were to, to put off our our phones and our tablets and, and televisions, and, and most of us would would agree, we probably spend too much time in front of screens. But if we, even if we were to acknowledge that and put those things aside, then the question would be, what should I be focused on? What should I be doing within my, my household? Uh, and uh, kind of that reality of how do, I, how do I get my household on the right track? And, and the scriptures are not silent on this issue of, of the household. We talked about this uh, last Sunday, but home is, home is where hearts are truly revealed. Right, where who you are with your family uh, is is probably going to be a, a better barometer of where you are spiritually, because you'll say things to your family 
uh, to your spouse, to your parents, to your siblings, you would probably never say those same things to anybody else. You would never have such an outburst of anger. You would never uh, use such uh, sarcastic remarks. Uh, and if you did, you would probably be losing friendships left and right. Uh, and, and, and so what, what really goes on within the household is of the utmost importance because that's really where uh, the hearts uh, of, of individuals are exposed. Uh, that, that's where the rubber meets the road in our Christian walk. And, and that's really where I wanted to, to spend some, some time walking through Ephesians uh, together. Uh, and last week we studied verses 15 to 21 in, in chapter 5, and that was really the, the big emphasis upon walking in wisdom. As we look at the, the household code uh, in, in chapter 5, we're, we're seeing how individuals are to relate to one another, but all of this flows out of what it means to, to walk in wisdom. Verse uh, 15, therefore look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then uh, in verse 18, uh, we have the, uh, a main verb. Uh, it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But here's the command. Be filled with the Spirit, or rather be filled by the Spirit. Uh, and then verses 19, 20, and 21 are going to have, or 18 through 21 are going to have uh, kind of what that looks like. What, what's going to be the, the result if we are filled with the Spirit? And we talked about this last week of there's, there's five participles. So we're to, to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Right, there's the first one. So speaking to one another, singing and making melody or singing and praising in our hearts. Those two go together. And then always giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus. And then the, the final one in verse 21, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And, and really th- that final verb in verse 21 is going to, to introduce and lead into what we're going to, to study today. And really leads into the whole household code of what Paul is, is commanding households to look like. Uh, and the idea of we are to be subject to one another. And it has been said that every Christian is a submitting Christian, uh, that we are called to, uh, to be submitting to one another in one uh, way or in, in some capacity. And this is really just the, the Christian life. And this is just life in general, uh, of what we are called uh, to be and to do. First Peter 2, verses 13 and 14, uh, the apostle Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be uh, to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who, who do evil uh, and to praise those who do good. So P- Peter is calling Christians to submit to every uh, human institution. Verses, or Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So every single Christian is to, to submit ourselves to the proper authorities in the proper way and in the proper time. But, but what does it mean to, to submit to one another? Now, I love what John Calvin says about this. He says, God has bound us so strongly to each other that no man ought to endeavor to avoid subjection, and where love reigns, mutual service will be rendered. I do not give exception even to kings and governors whose very authority is held for the service of the community. 
It is highly proper that all should be exhorted to be subject to each other, even in their turn. So even those that Christians are commanded to be subject to, the rulers and governing authorities, the scriptures would say that those rulers and governing authorities are also subject to the people that they're called to to shepherd and lead and govern. Uh, and so there's, there's a mutual submission to one another. But, but within this, even as, as Paul is saying that we are to submit to one another, he's not flattening every uh, source of authority in the Christian life and in the world around us. And, and how, do I, how do I know that? Well, because he says we're to submit to one another in verse 21. And then in verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 9, he, we, we have this household code. And really, in, as he gives out what relationships are to, to look like in uh, a household, uh, he's going to, to establish and, and talk through the, these re- three different relationships, so six different uh, parties that he's going to address. And these three relationships are going to be present in every uh, household uh, of that day. Uh, and th- those relationships are all going to have or, or be calling one party to submit to or follow or come under another party. And so uh, as we work through uh, this passage in, in the coming weeks, uh, he's going to say in uh, the first relationship that he's going to address is that between wives and Husbands, and then he's going to address the relationship between children and parents, and then uh, at the, towards the end of it, he's going to talk about slaves and, and masters, and we'll we'll talk more about that. I'm sure that immediately raises questions. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we when we get there. But but really, what we see if all of this flows out of walking wisely and then being filled with the Spirit, that being filled. Uh, by the Spirit and walking faithfully uh, with Christ is going to immediately have application to the Christian household. And uh, the, all of that pertains to rightly submitting ourselves to one another. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, the great New Testament scholar, says the entire household code is a special application of the Christian grace of submission. Uh, do we understand the greater hierarchy uh, of what God is doing within the household and how the entire household is to submit to Christ? And, and so there's, there's a general pattern as he, he addresses these three relationships and these six different parties. Paul is going to give a command to uh, one of these parties, wives, husbands, children, parents, slaves, masters. He's going to give a command, but then every single command is also going to be connected to who Jesus is and what he has done. So, so our, our obedience to these commands is not to be done in a, in a vacuum, and we don't uh, cut a, apart the commands from the, the motivation for the commands. Uh, and, and that's what we need to, to see as we, as we study uh, here. And the, the world will typically try to, in attacking the, the, the Christian worldview, will try to emphasize some parts of this overall household code, but, but de-emphasize others. And we can't uh, cut pieces out that we don't like or uh, that we do like. We have to take everything as a whole uh, and understand our role and what we are commanded to do. And then that needs to be our, our focus and not turn around what other people are commanded to do into something that we then become the enforcer for. So uh, when, when the Christian household is properly ordered, uh, according to what... Uh, Scripture has given to us as a blueprint. It brings glory to God and it puts the gospel on display in the most powerful and profound way. Right? That, that was, uh, it's so meaningful. If your family is, is falling apart and you see another family that's not falling apart, you kind of notice that. Right? So just hypothetically speaking. Right? You, you tend to, to notice when somebody else's family isn't having the same conflicts that your family is having, and that's where, as Christians, our households can be a powerful and profound witness uh, 
to our community, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, uh, and our extended family members. And this is why we want to we want to spend time uh, f- focusing upon this and and studying it. And if we if we do things God's way, it will lead to human flourishing. Everything that God commands us is for our good. Amen. But I want to walk through this passage. Let's read, uh, beginning in chapter 5, verse 22. We'll read to the end of the, the chapter, uh, just due to time today. Uh, and w- then we're going to focus in on uh, verses 22 to 24. Uh, and we'll study that, but I want to read through the, the bigger context. And notice, uh, even as we're going to talk about God's instructions to wives today, uh, after he speaks to the wives, he's going to speak to the husbands. And l- notice who gets more attention. Notice who gets more time uh, and uh, a greater exhortation uh, in this passage. So verse 22, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, and he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself and the wife, must see to it that she respects her husband. As we, as we study this, this passage this morning, we're going to, again, focus in on the, the commands and the instructions to the, to the wives, but we need to not lose sight of the, the bigger picture. As we look at marriage, we are looking at a, a, an illustration, a, a living, breathing picture of Christ's relationship with his bride, the church. Uh, and as we see how the, the church relates to Christ and Christ relates to the church, we're going to gain an understanding about what marriage is intended to be and how it is intended to, uh, to function. Uh, and uh, as, we, as we look at this, we also need to, to come to, to grips uh, with uh, something. And, and it kind of, it, it's amazing the, the world's discipleship of our, our own thinking. Because as we, as we study this today, this is, this is probably going to be shocking. You're gonna, uh, there's going to be reservations on, wait a second, what about this? And what about, like, the, the world has been so effective with its messaging concerning how households are to function that, that this, begins, this, this passage cries out uh, to us. Uh, and what we, what we need to, to realize and to come to grips with is that the, what, it, what is commanded here of Christians in the first century and how the household is to be ordered is, uh, is the same way that households should be ordered here in the 21st century. Uh, and and we, we really have to, to wrestle with it. If we're struggling to believe that, uh, everything else is going to be more difficult. But we, we need to, to trust that God's ways are best and what he commands uh, is, uh, reveals what is the good, beautiful, and true. 
Uh, and the, these instructions to wives, as unpopular as they might be in the 21st century, and, and what he, the commands that he gives to wives here is, is going to be scandalous to our own culture. But as we, uh, as we study next week, what Paul commands of husbands was actually more scandalous in his own time. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that because the, the Christian worldview is the only one that has actually elevated women rather than uh, denigrating them. But we'll, we'll talk about that. So as, as Paul gives these commands uh, to wives in, in Christian households, he's going to, to tell them what they are uh, to do and how they are to, to live within the household. But he's also going to explain why uh, this is being commanded of them. And so we have the, the command to wives, and then we're going to see the foundation and the pattern of what is uh, commanded to them. And, and the command uh, to wives is, uh, is given in verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. So, and Really, uh, in, in verse 22, there's not a, a verb in the original Greek. The verb is assumed from verse 22, uh, and it carries uh, forward this idea of uh, being in subjection or being in submissive relationship to. The, the, the word uh, there is actually a, a compound word in the Greek. It's from uh, tasso, meaning to appoint, to order, or to arrange, and then the preposition hupo. So it's the idea of arranging under, and it's, this word is often used in, in military contexts uh, to describe a, arranging in, in rank. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 8, uh, kind of describes this type of uh, authority among soldiers. He says, uh, as a, a centurion speaking, he says, for I also am a man placed under authority. And he's speaking to Jesus. Uh, and he says, I'm a man placed under authority. So he's kind of in the, the middle. There's some who are over him. And then there's, he says, with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. So this man understands where he is in a hierarchy of authority. And he's speaking to Christ and he's saying, uh, just say the words and you'll be able to cast out this demon. The centurion came to him to ask for, for Jesus to, to heal his servant. And so uh, this uh, Roman centurion understands that. And so he and what he's saying to, to Christ is that Christ is overall as well. And that uh, bears that if with this passage uh, also that Christ superintends and is uh, reigning over every single household. But what we see here is that the Christian wives are to, to be submissive, that they are to order themselves under their husbands and to, to willingly align themselves under his authority. Uh, and it, it's important to make a couple of clarifications and distinctions within this, that this is a singular command. So this is not all women everywhere must submit to all women everywhere. All right, that, that's Sharia law. That, that, that is the, the, the Muslim worldview, right? That, that is uh, a woman can't make eye contact or look at a, a man. That's uh, any male figure can, can speak to any woman uh, in any way that he wants. So there's, there, there's a massive differences even beginning uh, in that, that women are called to submit to their own husbands. So it's a singular command, uh, and it is intended to be a voluntary command, that one woman is to submit to one man, uh, and she gets to choose who that man is, right? So that, that decision of who you marry is very, very important. So it's, a, it's singular, it's voluntary, and the wives are to submit to their own husbands. And then there's a, there's a pattern uh, within this at, as well at the very end of the verse. It says, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, now what does that mean? 
uh, in, in the same way that, that a wife would submit to and follow uh, the instructions of Christ, she's in the same way, with the same attitude, to also follow the, the instructions and the, uh, and the authority of her husband. Now, that is not to say that her husband and Christ are on equal authority. Okay, let's make that clear. And every wife said... Amen. Right. And just that reality. Uh, and, and we'll talk about later on. There's times when a wife should disobey her husband and she should not submit to him. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that. But I think the emphasis here in verse 22 uh, is it's binding up a submission to husbands with submission to Christ. Uh, and that you're, you're not going to have one without the other. Uh, that if a wife is submitting uh, to uh, her husband, she's also going to be submitting to Christ. And if she's not submitting to her husband, then she's at the same time also not submitting to Christ. And so as a, uh, this is more about a, a wife's submission to uh, her Lord. Uh, and what that looks like day in and day out is going to be uh, following and abiding by this man that she has willingly connected herself to in the covenant of marriage. Uh, and so, so understanding what Paul is, is saying here is really important. This is a, a singular uh, command of submission, one woman to, to one man, and it's voluntary. Uh, and looking at this, this command, it's really, really easy to see the application to a married woman, right? Like we don't have to you know, do, do leaps and bounds of, of meditation uh, to, to see what this uh, looks like. And, and uh, wives, I, I, would, I would encourage you, you don't have to, to wonder, but a little bit of thought is, is good. Of taking inventory, how am I doing in, in following my husband? Do I, uh, do I willingly align myself under his leadership? Or do I subtly, or not so subtly, uh, seek to, to go and do my own thing? Now, am I seeking to, to rule and order the household according to my own desires rather than according to his? And, and I would just encourage ladies, as you, as you take inventory and examine, I, I would urge you, uh, as you see ways that you are not following your husband, to, to stop. To, to repent of those, uh, to, to pray for help, and then willingly uh, abide under his authority. Submit to your husband in those areas when you have been uh, struggling. And what we see here in the greater flow of this passage that spirit-led wives walking in wisdom will submit to their own husbands. And that is how Christ is seeking to order households in the church and among Christians. But, and so this is, this is a direct command to, to wives. But then we could say, is this in any way profitable or applicable to anyone else? Is there anything else to be gained here? And I would say absolutely. Say, husbands, this is a command to your wife not a trump card for you to play in an argument okay uh, and if and if you've ever tried to play this as a trump card in an argument how did that go right uh you know did, did, you know, did that did that help or did that make things worse totally only made things worse and, and you you need to remember uh that your wife's obedience uh is is secondary to your obedience you need to be seeking to do everything we're going to talk about next week. Uh, and it's a far greater command and responsibility given to the husbands as it is to the wives. Uh, both are difficult, but both of them are going to, to picture and portray again, Christ's relationship with the church. And, and I would say this, husbands, if there's an instance where your, your, your wife is, is struggling to submit to your leadership, you need to, to take inventory and try to figure out why is that. And don't begin with trying to diagnose what's going on in her heart. Begin with examining your own life. 
Okay, the goal as a husband is to make it easy for your wife to follow you. You want to make it as easy as possible for your wife to submit to your leadership. So it's not going to be uh, exacting harsh uh, commands. Or uh, You want to exercise authority well. Uh, and, and understanding that is going to be primary as, as, a, as a husband and as, and as a leader within your home. But you also need to remember that her submission to you is, is, is voluntary. Right? You can't compel it. You can't force it. Uh, that, that's not how uh, you are called to exercise authority in your homes. Again, but husbands should be striving to be wise, faithful, and godly, uh, a godly man, so it's easy for your wife to follow after you. And husbands, if you, as you examine, hey, well, you know, is there something in my life that's making it difficult for my wife to, to follow and submit to my leadership? In the same way, as you see those things, maybe you're not keeping your word. Maybe you are not spiritual. Maybe you are unfaithful in some of your other duties and responsibilities. As you take inventory of your life, uh, and you see things, what should you do? You should also stop. You should repent. You should pray for help. Uh, and, and you should strive to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And we'll talk about that more next week. But that's what, the, that's what you need to take inventory of. So there, there's a lot of application here for, for wives and for husbands, but I would also say for, for young ladies. This is important for you to understand, and it's important for you to evaluate and look. And as you're, if you're a single lady seeking to, to figure out who does the Lord want me to, to marry, you need to be evaluating young men kind of along these lines. Do I respect this young man enough to willingly sign up to submit to him? Do I really want to do that? And again, you, you, ha- you have to be willing to respect him. Are you willing to follow him? And that's, that's a key evaluation, right? Do I respect him enough to follow him and to submit to him? So when he and I disagree, am I willing to abide under his decision? That's what you really need to think about and wrestle with, right? Because those you talk to some of the married ladies in the church. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? And submission really only has to take place when there's a disagreement, right? It's really easy to submit when you agree on everything, Right? And that's not really submission. So, so there's a lot to think through there. And, and then along those same lines, right? Uh, young men, you need to strive to be the kind of man that a young lady can respect and would want to submit to. Right, what, what does she see in your character that, is, that she's willing to say, hey, I'm willing to, to follow him. As he's following Christ, I'm willing to follow him uh, and build a household together. That, that is so important. A lot here, but this is this is the command to wives, and then verse twenty three is going to provide the foundation for that command. Verse twenty three says, "For the, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church; he himself being the Savior of the body." And and notice, you know, Paul, in, as he begins to to persuade and explain why why is it that this command needs to be obeyed. He doesn't say, well, this is what ought to be. He begins by making his and presenting his case for what already is. He's saying this is uh, reality, uh, and this is what we need to abide under. And the, he says that the husband is the head of the wife. Well, but what does this mean? Uh, this, this word for, for head has been used elsewhere in the book of Ephesians. If you turn back to Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 22, he says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet 
and gave him as head over all things to the church. And speaking of Christ's headship, Christ's lordship, not only of the church, but over all creation. If you look also over at uh, chapter 4, verse 15, see this, this same term, but, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the, the head, and that is Christ. So the, the mature church, if Christ is the, the head and we are the body, see the picture of we're growing upwards in, under submission to him, uh, we're growing uh, uh, upwards uh, into him. Because he is the, the head, he is a, of a, the higher rank and superior uh, and, and authority. And again, when, it, when this word is used of Christ, he's not only speaking that he's a, a higher rank, but he's infinitely superior to us uh, as a whole. And uh, concerning husbands and wives, when Paul uses this word, it's not in any way, shape, or form saying that the husband is inherently superior or the wife is inherently inferior to uh, the, the husband. So we have to, to keep that together. I want to uh, turn back to, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Now, we'll see when God created humanity. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and to 28 God created uh, humanity on the, on the sixth day. He makes it clear that, that men and women are equal before him. And they have intrinsic value. Uh, both are image bearers. Verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the, the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that creeps on the earth. So even within God's creation, there is a, there's a hierarchy. There is, there is an, an order to it. So God rules and reigns over all creation. Uh, and then there's uh, the earth itself and the, the beasts and the, the plants on the earth. Uh, and who is, who is God's middleman exercising authority over his creation? Man, humanity. And so there's, there's, a, there's a hierarchy and, a, and a, a vertical dimension of authority even in God's created order. Now, but then in, in Genesis chapter 2 where God is zooming in on, on day 6 of creation uh, and, and giving insight of what, it, what took place on day 6 as he created man uh, and, and woman. He had created Adam first. In verse 18, he, after he had you know, given... Uh, or I'm sorry, he says, hey, let's look for a, Adam is created, verse 18, chapter 2. Then Yahweh, said, God said to him, it, it is not good for the man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. And he has Adam call and name all of the animals, and then after finding no suitable helper, what does he do? He says in verse 21, so Yahweh, God, caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Uh, and uh, Yahweh God fashioned the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, the first poem in, the, in, the, in creation, a man writing about a woman. And the man said, this one finally is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman because this one was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
Uh, and so <clears throat> there's, a, there's this uh, order that is established within creation. A relationship between men and women both being equal before God, but they have different complementary roles. Uh, and they're created uh, to one, one to lead and one as a, as a helper to, to follow and to come alongside. Uh, and, and this is important to, uh, to understand and to, to come alongside because this creation uh, order that God has ordained, the Apostle Paul is going to refer back to it in numerous other occasions as well concerning how uh, Christian households are to be uh, established and, and to be run. And the same thing in terms of how is the church to be established and ordered. Uh, and so the, the, the creation uh, pattern is, is what we are to, to follow, and that's the foundation for this command. Uh, and again, if, if sometimes this make us, makes us a little bit uh, nervous, right? No, but I would say that the nervousness shows the way that the culture has, has discipled us. The, this idea of male headship, it, it's been vilified in our contemporary culture. Now, it's given the, the derogatory name, the patriarchy. How many of you have heard of the patriarchy? Yep. You've, you've, those of you who are college students, you're like, I hear about this every day. <laughs> and uh, in this idea of, uh, of, of patriarchy, again, every secular university in the land is preaching against it, and it is, it's stating that it is in, inherently oppressive to women. And, and there are certain things that we have to be willing to acknowledge and to uh, to own that yes, there there are times where male headship has been abused, uh, but that's not because the order itself is inherently evil, but because human beings are sinful, right? I would just say name one position of authority that hasn't been abused, right? Like just just name one, okay? any just any single position of authority that has not been abused over human history, right? And and so what we're going to to see is that it's really easy to. To, to take apart and to abuse what God has commanded. It's really easy to abuse authority that has been uh, entrusted. But I, I would say we, we need to, to, to have a, a better grasp at what is really taking place and what uh, the, the order that God has, has commanded and, and also understand why some things are different. I know we're, we're running out of time here, so we're, I'm going to have to cut things down, but, but I'll kind of wind things down w- with this of... In our own time, our culture speaks against the, the patriarchy. And again, the, those abuses are, are seen throughout uh, history. Uh, of, and one pastor describes you know, what a, a woman's life was like in, in the Roman Empire. He says, by and large, women were viewed as inferior and were given relatively little freedom. Uh, and he says of their status varied, of course, in, in different places and times. But generally speaking, the further west one went, the, the better their lot was in the Roman Empire. But even in Rome, women were, were only in a slightly better position than their sisters in the east. He says in a few places like Sparta and Egypt, uh, they were given greater freedom and responsibility. But in most places, however, they were allowed, uh, if they were allowed to live at birth. Women were minimally educated. They could not be witnesses in a court of law. They could not adopt children or make a contract and could not own property or inherit and were viewed, as both Aristotle and Josephus said, in all respects to be inferior to a man. They were seen as less intelligent, less moral, the source of sin, and a continual temptation. Respectable women, at least uh, the ones described in, in, uh, sources, in some sources, were kept from public life. Typically, women lived in one part of the house and men lived in another. And in many cases, they did not eat meals together in larger homes 
Uh, virgins spent most of their times in a section set aside for them. Conversation with people outside of the house was kept to a minimum. And for a woman to even do her spinning in her doorway was scandalous. So imagine how scandalous some would view the early church where both sexes met together in a house for worship and the, the shared Lord's Supper. It was absolutely scandalous. And again, if you, you think about women were not even allowed to be witnesses uh, in, a, in a court case, but who were the first ones to see the risen Christ? Women. It was their testimony that the foundation of the risen Christ has, uh, has, has been built upon. Uh, and so there's, there's so much here. And in our own time, uh, government schools, Hollywood shows, social media, they're, they're teaching uh, and, and proclaiming against the, the patriarchy. And, and the net result is uh, that any, any male leadership is seen as oppressive. And so, you know, daughters, as they launch out, if they, if they believe that their father's authority influence is, is oppressive, they, they're launched out into a world, uh, and, and they're going out into a world full of young men and older men and older women and younger women who are willing and able to, to take advantage of them uh, and, and happy to, to abuse uh, them. And so uh, there, there's so much. Right now there's, a, there's an ongoing trend on social media of young uh, or kind of women in their late 20s and, their, and early 30s kind of doing videos of themselves about how hard life is uh, and how do, they, how do they pay the bills or how do they uh, find a husband and, and so many things. And, and they've, been, they've been sold a lie uh, and then they're kind of experiencing the, the fruit of that lie. Uh, but they, they haven't really believed. They, they don't like the fruit that they're experiencing in their life, uh, but they... Uh, they're griping against it, but they haven't understood what, the, what they're building upon is a lie. You know, and they haven't made, connected all the dots to see why life is so difficult. And so we, we're, I'm having to, to skip over verse 25, but really you're going to see that the, uh, the pattern of, of, of obedience is really the same way that the, the church is to, to submit to Christ. Wives are to, to submit to their own husbands in everything. So we have the, the foundation in terms of... Uh, that men are, or uh, the, the husband is the head of the wife, uh, and the, the pattern of, the, in the same way that the church is called to submit to Christ as Lord and a Savior and to worship with, with reverence, uh, that's how uh, a wife is to follow after and submit to her, her husband. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot uh, with this, and I'll, I'll end here. But how does, how does the church submit to Christ? And this is called to be the pattern of, of how uh, a, a wife submits to her husband. William Hendrickson says that the submission of the church to Christ is voluntary, wholehearted, sincere, enthusiastic. It is a submission prompted not only by a wholehearted uh, conviction uh, that this is right and proper because God demands it, but also by love in return for Christ's love. Let the same be true with respect to the submission of wives to their husbands. Moreover, that obedience must not be partial so that the wife obeys her husband and when the, the latter's wishes happen to coincide with her, but, uh, and with her own, but complete in everything. And, and I'll, I'll have to, to kind of wind things down. I'll pick it up next week. I don't usually have to stop midway through a sermon uh, for time, so forgive me for that. Uh, but this is an important topic. We'll pick it up next uh, week as, as we walk through. But I would, I would challenge you this week to be, to be wrestling with this. Do I really believe that God's commands in Scripture, that His ways are best? 
uh, and that his ways, again, his, what he commands reveals what is the good, the beautiful, and the true. And no matter what society is saying or speaking against, I need to go uh, and form my foundation, my understanding, based upon what God's word is saying. Amen?